So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can turn with me to the 23rd Psalm. Uh, we've been in a series called Desperate. Uh, we've been looking at the 23rd Psalm. Uh, we've been learning that the same way our sheep are, are, are totally dependent on their shepherd, we as sheep, we're totally dependent on our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so we've been walking through this series together. We've been slowly going through the 23rd Psalm, and we've been applying those principles to our life. Now listen, to today I've entitled this message, the series is called Desperate, that we're desperate for him. We're desperate for a shepherd to lead us, to guide us, to protect us, to care for us, and all those other things. And so I've entitled this message, Follow. Here's what's funny about that. I'm not going to totally follow the outline that I have for you this weekend. Uh, I, in, in case you don't know this, um, I turn in my sermon about four weeks in advance, so we're able to write sermon-based uh, life group material. And then a week before, I have turned in a finalized outline and all the scripture and everything. And so I have really felt God impressed upon me to really focus in on a couple of the, the points. And, and so here's the deal. There's four principles. I, for all of you type A cause people, I'm going to give you all four blanks, okay, so that you can go away and your, your outline's filled out. But I'm not going to read all the scripture that's in the version app and some of those other things. And so I know that if you're like me and you follow along in version and someone skips a verse, you wondered why they script, skipped it, why they had that in there and they didn't read it. This is why, okay? So I know that's a lot of explanation because I really believe that, that I have something for you this morning as far as what it means to just to, just to follow him. And so I want to talk to you this morning about how to know God's will for your life, how to follow God in such a way that, that it kind of reduces the stress out of your life when you make a decision, because it won't reduce all the stress out of your life. But if you know what God wants you to do in a situation, it helps in making a decision, right? And so this morning, we're going to look at this subject of what, it, what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to allow God to lead you and guide you in your decisions? So, so here's, here's the verse, verse 3 out of the 23rd Psalm. Just the last part is all we're going to focus on this morning. It says this, He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of right living for, for his namesake, for his glory. In other words, all of a sudden you realize that God desires to lead us. God desires to guide us. He, he is the good shepherd. We're like sheep. We're his sheep. And he is a good shepherd. And so it, it says that, that he will lead us. If, if, if David was writing this psalm like in our contemporary language, then David would say he wants to keep us on track. Uh, he doesn't want us to get off track. Uh, he, he, wants to be, he, wants to be our, he wants to be our guide, in other words. And so I want to talk to you this morning about, about how to find God's will for your life, how to know God's will in a decision-making process. And so I'm going to give you the secrets that I've learned, that I've developed over my life, and it's basically four habits that I've placed into my life. And so there's something interesting about habits. Habits are, habits are important, right? fact is, if you pull up the Webster Dictionary and look up the definition of habit, the word habit is a noun, and, and here's the definition, a reoccurrent often unconscious pattern of behavior that is acquired through frequent repetition. In other words, a habit is something that we have in life that is just like second nature to us. Uh, we, we have this habit. It's, it's almost it's just a frequent reoccurring of rep- repetition, things we do over and over. It's unconscious. We don't even think about it. In other words, we learn to walk by the habit of walking. Uh, we learn to run by the habit of running. We learn to drive by the habit of driving, right? There's some things that we do in driving that's just, it's almost unconscious. I mean, it's just, it's just natural to us. Uh, we, we have all kinds of habits, right? Uh, we have eating habits. Ever tried to break a habit? Ever tried to break an eating habit? 
uh, here a while back, I went to the doctor and unfortunately checked my cholesterol. <laughs> then they gave my wife the results, and so, uh, which I think that's, hello, HIPAA. And so, <laughs> I think that's illegal, but whatever. <laughs> and so, it was, it, you know, it's a little high. And so uh, I need to change some, like, eating habits. It's kind of funny. After all these years, my wife, like, eats healthy. And so, um, and so she's tried to get me to eat healthy whenever she'd try to get me to eat healthy. Uh, you know, I'm from Texas. We like fry everything. I mean, if we, in, in Texas, if we had known what cholesterol was, we'd batter it up, fry it, and eat it. I mean, and so anyway, so she'd try to like, hey, you need to eat more fruit. And I'd always go, you know, I'd always go biblical on her and say, hey, remember what happened like the first marriage when Eve tried to enforce Adam to eat fruit? I mean, that's why we're all jacked up today. I mean, she changed Adam's diet. I can't do this. And so now, now I'm in the process of trying. Listen, and, and I've realized it is hard, right? It is hard breaking an eating habit, right? Why? Because it's unconscious. It's almost, it's natural. It's natural to want, for me, fried foods. It's natural to eat this way. And so it takes, it takes it's difficult changing a habit. But here's the good news. Once you build a habit, it's hard to break that habit. Telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I just want to make this so simple for you this morning. That's why we're not going to stay so tied to an outline this morning. This would be like if you and I were having coffee like it's solar roast and, and eating fruit. Uh, <laughs> I'm lying. I wouldn't do that. I'd go to solar roast. I wouldn't eat fruit. And we're just having a conversation. You say, hey, how, how do I know God's will for my life? How, how do I make those decisions? I want to I give you four habits that if you'll build these habits into your life, it, it will just help you. It will just help you. I just want to have a conversation this morning. And then at the end, we're, we're, we're going to take communion together. I mean, I, I just think it's so awesome to be able to gather together as a church family and encourage one another, support one another, uh, open the scriptures together, and worship together. So, so here's, here, here's the first habit that you've got to build into your life, the habit of looking to God. You, you've got to, listen, you've got to build this habit into your life to where it's just a habit. It's just natural. It's almost unconscious because here, here's what we do a lot of times when we have a decision to make. We ask everybody else, right? We ask our husband. We ask our wife. We ask a boyfriend, a girlfriend. We ask a parent. We, we ask the Google. You know, we want to know what the Google says, and so we ask the Google. And so we look at society. We may read a self-help book. We may read all this other stuff, and then guess what? Then we make the decision. And have you ever, have you ever made a decision, and, and it didn't turn out well, and so all of a sudden it's like a dead end, or there's a crisis in your life, or there's something that's happened in your life, and then all of a sudden that's when you start asking God? That's when you say, you know, things are out of control, so now I've got to know what God says. And so develop a habit to where the first thing we, that we do is, is we understand that God wants to lead us and guide us. In other words, God wants to direct us. And as a result of that, the, the habit that we're going to build into our life, we're just going to get in the habit. What does the Bible say? What, what, is, what does God say? I mean, what, what would God want? In, in other words, we have to come to that place where we have to admit, guess what, I... Man, I need guidance. See, that's, for me, and many of you know this, I'm like geographically challenged. Uh, I, I get lost all the time. I mean, I, I get lost even in Pueblo. And even with places that I've been before, 
Fortunately, I only live like half a mile from here, and that helps, and, you know, going home twice a day or coming and going. But, but here's the interesting thing. When, 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 when you get lost, and if you refuse to ask for directions, if you refuse to pull it up on your phone and get turn-by-turn directions or you ask a friend or get a map or whatever, then you know if you don't get directions, you're going to stumble around, right? You're, you're, it's, it's not going to be very efficient at all. And the same way is with God. Now, here's the crazy things about, about sheep. Remember, David's a shepherd. He's writing this, and, but the Scripture says we're, we're like sheep, and we'll read that verse in a moment. But here's the crazy thing about sheep. Sheep, by nature, they tend to wander. I mean, in other words, all sheep are ADD. I mean, I mean, you, you ask anybody that's around sheep, they'll tell you that, that something sparkles or something whatever, and they are pr- prone to wander. They'll get distracted real easily. They'll get off track real easy. And as a result of that, they, they need a shepherd that will guide them and protect them. And David says, guess what? We're the same way. Guess what? Human nature, flesh, we're, we tend we tend to wander. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the, the, the issue here is, man, we need a guide. We need a shepherd because... Whether we like to admit it or not, and some of us we like to admit it because we're Americans and we're independent, we don't want anybody telling us what to do, right? And we don't want anybody making decisions for us. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We don't want anyone want to tell us go left, go right, anything like that, much less God. And so if we're honest, we'd say, you know what, we, we all have a little bit of a problem with this. But, but here's the issue. Uh, well, let's go back to sheep just for a second. Sheep by nature have very poor vision. In other words, sheep by nature, they can't see very far ahead of them physically. As a result of that, sheep have been known to stray. Sheep have been known without a shepherd to walk over a cliff. And guess what? They all fall one, well, They will follow each other over the cliff if they don't have a shepherd because they have poor vision. Fact is, instead of looking at someone and saying you're as blind as a bat, you should say you're as blind as a sheep. Because sheep are like, not only are they blind and they get distracted easy, they're not very, they're not very bright animals. Now, it, the interesting thing is we have a lot of families in our church that live out, you know, on the mesa or wherever, and so they have sheep. So they're always sharing their sheep stories with me now. And so they'll tell me, you know, like, you're right, sheep are just, like, stupid. We had, we had one sheep one time that ate a bunch of dirt and died. I mean, who eats dirt? And they just eat dirt. And so you got to be careful. A family a couple of weeks ago stopped me in the lobby and says, you're not going to believe this. Uh, my husband was looking outside at our sheep from inside the house out the window. All of a sudden, it was an evening. A coyote came in, uh, grabbed a yearling, grabbed a lamb, took off running with it, and all the sheep, like, this is how sheep run, all the sheep are like running after it. And they're like, really? Really? They're going to follow the coyote? They're going to follow? It. They're probably luring them into a trap. And they're all going because that's the way sheep are. Sheep have poor vision. We may have good physical vision, but we can't see into the future. You don't know what's going to happen on your way home from church. You don't know what's going to happen tonight. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. You don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 years. You you don't know what's going to happen in the Bronco game, right? 
I pretty much know what's going to happen in the Cowboy game. We're going to lose. We're going to be embarrassed. But you don't know. With, with all of our technology, with all of our gimmicks that we have of predicting the future, we can't even predict the weather, right? Much less life. And I took all the weather apps off my phone. I'm like, this is ridiculous. They're just never right. <laughs> you know why God created us that way? So we'd need a shepherd. So we'd need him. He created us in such a way. And, and, and let me just tell you. Humility is coming to the place to where you say, you know, I, I need a shepherd. Well, the fact is, look at this, Psalm 25, 9. He says he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. In other words, this, it takes humility to ask for directions. It takes humility to say we don't know where we're going. It takes humility to say, I, you know what, life is life, and I, I don't know what's going to happen tonight, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next year, over the next 10 years. But I, but I know one who does. And as a result of that, I follow him. As a result of that, I have this habit that I, I look to God initially. I look, he's the first one I go to. So that's the first habit. Here's the second one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I think the weight of this sermon and the weight of this talk is on the other two verses. Uh, so, so here's our other two principles. So here's the second one. Uh, the faith, the habit of asking in faith. The habit of asking in faith. In other words, this. You have to ask the right person with the right attitude. You have to ask the right person, God, with the right attitude that he's going to answer me. Let me just read this verse just real quickly and we'll move on. James 1, 5. This is out of the living. And it says this. It says, if you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you. For he is always ready to give a, a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But be sure that you really expect him to tell you. If you don't ask in faith, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answers. In other words, what he's saying is this. You have to ask the right person with the right attitude. In other words, a lot of times, if you're not careful, I've done it. You've probably done it. You make a decision. You just ask God to bless it, right? God, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. Now, all you need to do is just like, hello, bless it. Instead of asking the right person with the right attitude, God, I, I really want to know what you want me to do. And whatever you... Whatever you reveal to me, God, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Whether it makes sense or not, I'm just I'm going to do it. Because I realize, listen, I realize I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week, next year, over the course of my life, the 10, ten years. It's kind of confusing to me. So that's the second. The, the third habit is this, is you've got to develop a habit of listening to God's voice. A habit of listening for God's voice. In other words, what, what Scripture tells us and what I know to be true is this is that learning God's voice is a learned behavior. Same, same as it is with relationships, right? Uh, when, when if, if, if you were to ask me a question and say, hey, I've never met your wife, but could you explain your wife's voice to me so when I hear your wife's voice for the first time, I'll know it's her? I mean, that'd be weird, right? And it'd be hard to explain. It'd be hard for me to sit down and say, well, this is what Karen's voice sounds like. And, and so that when you hear that voice for the first time, you're going, hey, that's Karen Jones. And I know that because Charlie told me what her voice would sound like. That's, that's like impossible. So it's hard for me to explain to you what her voice sounds like. The same with the voice of God. It's hard for anybody to explain to you what the voice of God sounds like. It's, it's a learned behavior. 
to where now, in fact is, uh, we've been married so long, uh, well, uh, Monday we celebrate 35 years of marriage, and so we're excited about that. So I think for our anniversary we'll watch the Cowboy game together. <laughs> no, I don't think so. so uh, and so you know what? It'd be totally weird after we've known each other all these years for her to call me on, the, on, on my cell and I say hello, and she says, hey, this is, this is Karen Jones, your wife. Right? I, I, knew, I know her voice. When she says, hello, how you doing? What's going on? I, I know, listen, I know immediately, I know immediately it's her. Fact is, I can pick her voice out in a crowd. Uh, she can be in the lobby somewhere else. She can be in church. She can be in a crowd of people. I, I know her voice. I know her laugh. I know when she's happy. I know when she's mad. And so I... <laughs> So I, I, I know, I know her voice, but it, it came over building a habit of listening to her voice and developing that. The same is true with God. Watch this, Job 20, uh, 33, 14. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. And so why wouldn't we understand it? Many times because we're not tuned in. Many times we haven't built that habit to where we really don't know what his voice sounds like. There's, the scripture says there's many ways God speaks to us, primarily through his word. He speaks to us through his word. He can speak through us through the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and gives a whisper. Uh, he can speak through us through other people. He can speak through us through circumstances. But however he speaks, it always lines up with his word. He would never tell us to do something that contradicts his word. So, so uh, one of the ways that, that he speaks to us is, is through his word. And so the Bible, the Bible is like a compass. The Bible is like a, a, a road map. The Bible is like a, a GPS that when you, when you get lost, you need a guidebook, you need direction. And so it, it, it would be like this. If, if you're not connected to God, in other words, if you're not listening to his voice and you don't understand his voice, then when, it'd be like when you get lost and you have no self-service. You have no Wi-Fi. Uh, you cannot pull up maps on your phone. You cannot get direction. Why? Because you're, you're not connected. And the same is true with God. If you, listen, if you, if you do not know God's voice, if you cannot hear his voice, then it makes it difficult for him to speak to you. And so you may say, well, wait a minute. I've never heard God speak to me. They've never heard it. Just never, I, I just don't know. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you reading his word daily? Are you, are you life journaling? That's just a systematic way that we read through the entire Bible in a year. New Testament twice, Old Testament once. And we pull out a scripture, we make an observation, we make application, and we craft a prayer out of that to where we say, God... Based upon what I've learned, based upon your word, I, I, I ask that you help me to do this today, whether it's to forgive someone, whether it's to change something, whether it's to whatever it is. So let me ask you a question. Are you learning his voice by reading his word? Because that's the habit. Listen, if you're going to look to God and you're going to ask in faith, man, you have to know what God's voice sounds like. I cannot explain it to you, but I, I'm telling you, there's so many times I'm life journaling. And God gives me the very verse that I need that day. God gives me the very thing that I need that day. And I'm like, this is so bizarre, God, that you, you knew. You knew on this day I'd be facing this situation, 
and I'd be reading these verses. And these verses speak to me. I mean, God speaks to us. Listen, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. God also speaks to us through pastors and teachers and Bible study leaders and life group leaders. You ever been in a crowded church service? And all of a sudden, the preacher is preaching. It's like, oh, my gosh, is he reading our mail? <laughs> right? I mean, did he, did, did, does he know what we talked about coming to church today? Did he know what was happening in our home? Did he know what we're going through? Did you, you know, and then all of a sudden, did you call him and tell him? And, he, you know, I, that's, why I always tell, I, that's why I always tell people, you know what, don't take our bulletins home. They're bugged. And so... Uh, <laughs> We listen to your conversations throughout the week, and that's how I write my sermons. And so that's just a joke in case you're new to us, church. <laughs> but don't take the bulletin home. You know what? That's, 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 the, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's how God speaks to us. And, and guess what? God not only uses pastors and teachers, God, God uses you. There's some of you in this room that God has used you to speak to me. What's a verse you've shared with me? What's a thought you've shared with me? What is something that you have told me, stopped me out in public, in a lobby, or wherever? I mean, God, listen, God, that's why, that's why gathering together, that's why Christian relationships, that's why life groups are so important, to where we have Christian community, to where somebody that knows you, that can speak into, into your life. And then God also uses circumstances to speak into your life, right? C.S. Lewis is the guy that said this. He said, God, God whispers to us in our pleasure and he shouts to us in our pain. Isn't it something about a painful situation? God gets your attention. God, I, I veered off the path. I, I, I made a decision. I said something. I did something. And all of a sudden, it, it didn't end well. Uh, fact is, Proverbs uh, 20, 30, all the good news says this. He says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Isn't that really true? That sometimes God uses pain in our life as a good thing. Sometimes God uses circumstances in our life to where we realize, you know what, I, 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 re I really do. I really do need to look to God first. This isn't working the other way. I really need to ask in faith. I really need just to start reading his word daily. I mean, I, I just need to come to that place. And, and because here's the deal. You don't start out on the Christian journey and say, this is where I'm headed, and there's never any course correction. You know why? Because we wander. Um, I, 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 was, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, and NASA was there, and so the space program is like personal to our community. I mean, we we're part of the space program. My dad uh, worked on one of the Apollo missions uh, early in his career when he was moonlighting out of Houston, Texas. And so Karen and I, a, a couple of weeks ago, we went to see First Man. It's, it's the story of, of Neil Armstrong going to the moon for the first time, walking on the moon. It's a, it's a true story. And uh, we actually walked on the moon. And so, uh, <laughs> and anyway, I should move on. <laughs> and so, you know what, I, I was a little naive. And I believe, you know, the moon is such a big target, right? Who could miss it? They just aim a rocket at the moon, and it just takes off, and it, it gets there. And so, but in first man... They are on the way, and listen, this is before computers and technology and calculators and cell phones. And so one of the scenes of the movie was, is they are getting close to the moon. All of a sudden, Neil Armstrong realized, guess what? We're, we're off track. Guess what? It's not going to end well for us. We're going we're to, like, miss the moon. 
And so all of a sudden, he pulls out, it's crazy, before computers, he pulls out a piece of paper and a pencil. For you young generation, that is a writing device. And so (laughs) he pulls out a pencil and some paper, and he starts doing math. And I mean, I mean, not simple math, complicated math. And he's making all these calculations, and he says, hey, we're off, and we need to correct, you know, certain, certain degrees and this and that and, you know, whatever. And so NASA says, don't do it, don't do it. Neil Armstrong's like, oh, we're going to do it. we got to do it, or, or the mission will be bad. And so they did it, and Neil Armstrong was right. Listen, let me tell you something. The same is true for us of following Christ, of following God. We are prone to wander. And we can get off track. Man, you just don't start out on the Christian journey and says, I'm just going to follow God the rest of my life. And, 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 and call it good. I mean, you gotta, you got to look to him. you got to ask in faith. you got to listen to his voice. Because guess what? We're all ADD spiritually, right? And if we're not careful, we will get off track. And you know what we call that? We don't like to talk about it a lot these days. It is sin. And all of a sudden, we get in this place, and, and we just sin. We just we get off track. And listen, let me tell you something. I'm probably going to offend some of you and this, but I just got to tell you what the Bible says. There's two types of of forgiveness, and I'm going to read a scripture for you in just a second. There's two types, positional and, well, let let me read the scripture. Here's what it says. 1 John 1, 9, when we get off track, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so this, the weight of this says there's, there's a confession that has to go on. There's an ongoing confession of sin. In other words, confess simply means this, to agree with God. It's simply all confession is, is God, I agree with you. I am off track. I've made a decision. I've said something that's wrong. I agree with you it's sin. I agree with you it's harmful to me. As a result of that, I, I confess that, and I want to get back on track. That's all confession is. Now, listen, we just got to understand this because both of these works, and listen, one of the reasons I love our church is because all of us in this room, we do not have the same faith background. Man, we represent in this place so many different denominations that you've come out of, God, out of and I thank God for you. And I thank God for, for the, the, the mix of our church. And so some of you were taught positional forgiveness, and some of you were taught relational forgiveness, but you weren't taught both. And so both work in Scripture. So here's positional forgiveness. Positional forgiveness is this. When I come to Christ and when I accept him, the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross forgives me of all my sins, past, present, future. I am totally and completely forgiven. I am a son or a daughter of his. I am his. Nothing can get me kicked out of the family positionally, positionally, I am his, I am forgiven. And so if you don't understand that, then you're always going to be worried that when I die, do I go to heaven? Because if I have one unconfessed sin or several unconfessed sins, do I go to heaven? In other words, that's why some of you were taught not positional forgiveness, and some of you were taught that, guess what, if you die and you have some unconfessed sins, you don't go directly to heaven, you go to purgatory. And you go to purgatory, and you got to work off those sins to where you finally get in. Positional forgiveness is this. Totally and completely forgiven. Past, present, future sins. 
When you die, you go to heaven. Relational forgiveness is this. Relational forgiveness is once we're his son or daughter, that when we, when we sin, positionally we're still his. Posi- positionally, we are still his son and daughter. Relationally, we have hurt our fellowship with him. We have hurt our relationship. It's just like my daughters. When my daughters sin against me, they're still my daughters. But our relationship is harmed. Our relation until there's confession. And the same is true with our relationship of Christ. That's why the scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Listen, the weight of this is understanding that. That it, when we sin, it grieves, the, it grieves the heart of God. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Listen, let me, let me help you because I, I need to tell you one habit, a couple of habits that need to be broken. One is, is learning to confess your sins specifically. Listen, when, when, uh, when, I, when I went to college, I had a, I had, and still do, I have a Texas mom which meant I never did laundry. And so I had to learn to do laundry when I went to college. And so as a result of that, my mom made two duffel bags that I'd put my dirty clothes in. And she says, once a week, you go down to the laundry mat and you wash your clothes. And so the first week, I got my duffel bags full of dirty clothes, went down to the laundry mat, put my clothes in the washing machine, turned, put my quarters in, turned on the washing machine, and it made all kinds of noise like banging and the things shaking. And so a lady walked up to me and says, hey, son, uh, when you wash your clothes, you may want to put, take them out of the duffel bag before you put in the washing machine. <laughs> Who knew? I just thought that was a convenient way to take them home. And so uh, <laughs> our sins are the same way. We specifically agree with God. God, that attitude, that word, that decision, that sin, that's wrong. I want to course correct. So a habit that needs to be broken, we specifically confess our sins. The second habit that has to be broken, I believe the reason that so many of us do not understand God's will for our life is because we're determining God's will for everybody else's life around us. Let me read you a verse and I'll show you. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So many times when we get in situations, circumstances, when we're in relationships and they're hurtful, painful, we spend all of our time, God changed them. God searched them, test them, know them, and God, and then lead them on the way of everlasting, which is to agree with me. That, listen, I know, that's, that's why, listen to people talk. They know God's will for everybody else but themselves, right? Because the focus is on everybody else. Listen, let me just tell you, your marriage will never deepen if your focus is always God change him. God change her. And it's never change me. You will never be spiritually mature if you live a life to where you say, God, change them. Change my supervisor. Change this circumstance. Change my boss. Change people that I work with. Change a friend. Change whatever. Listen, you will never deepen. And when you look at this scripture, you realize, you just realize that it's this issue of God. God, just change me. God, what is, what, is, what is the decision I need to make? How do I need to respond to this? I'm telling you, when, when that happens, things begin to change around you. When you understand that God, search me. 
God tests me. God, see if there's any grievous way is what the ESV would say. Anxious thoughts is what the New Living says in me. And then lead me, guide me to right living, to right decisions. The fourth and last thing, habit, is the habit of trusting God. You have got to build in a habit. that Listen, regardless of circumstance, situations, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. Listen, I'm just telling you, if you get into a situation in your life that's difficult and you do not know who God is before you enter the valley, then you will let the valley tell you who God is. You have got to, listen, you have got to know who God is before you go into the valley. So that when the valley and the circumstance says something different, you can say, no, that is not who God is. That is not who God is. Listen, our family is, is in this habit of, of just, I mean, our family is in this habit of just, we're trusting God. Many of you know the story of our daughter, Brittany, who had a, a brain tumor uh, diagnosis August of 2016 and two surgeries, chemo, radiation, and every three months she gets an MRI. And, and so on Thursday, she got another MRI. And so we're just praising God because the MRI was clean. And so we are, I mean, and so... So we always celebrate that as a family. We mark it as a family. And we're in this habit of, you know what, regardless, regardless of what the MRI shows, we're going to trust God. We're, just, we're in this habit. We're going we're gonna to trust God. There's a story in the Old Testament that I'd like to tell you about. And I'm going to tell you a story about Pastor Trey, and we're going to take communion. And, and so there, there's a story in the Old Testament. Moses, he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. Pharaoh has this weak moment and says, I'll let my cheap labor go. So he let the Israelites go. And so they're headed, and it didn't make any sense to them. There's an uncrossable Red Sea in front of them. There's an uncrossable mountain range on their left. There's an uncrossable mountain range on their, on their right. And then to make matters worse, Pharaoh came to a census and set, sent the Egyptian National Guard to go, to go get the people. So they got, now they've got an uncrossable Red Sea in front of them. They got mountain ranges on each side of them. There's like no way of escape. And to make matters worse, there is a, there's an army baron down bearing down on them that means annihilation for them. And so you know the story. It, it, it looked like a dead end. It looked like it wasn't going to work out. And then God opens up the Red Sea, and it's a big miracle. In Psalm 77, years later, they wrote Psalm 77, and they, they look back on it. And, and here's what the Scripture says. He says, your way was, was through the sea. didn't make any sense. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You know why their footprints were unseen? Because they were focused on the Red Sea. They were focused on, on the mountains. They were focused on the Egyptian National Guard bearing down on them. But God was with them. God was with them. You have got to come to the place, if you're going to allow God to guide you, regardless of what your circumstances say, you know who God is. You know he leads you, he guides you, he's with you. Many, you know, many of you know the story of Pastor Trey and Amy. Over A little bit over a year ago, they took in two twin boys, and they started walking through the process of adoption. And it's been a, it's been a long journey, honestly. And so on Friday, we joined Trey and Amy in a courtroom up in Colorado Springs to where a judge made it final and says they're adopted and they're Trey and Amy's. And so, so here's, a, here's a picture. There's a picture of Jude and Zeke. That's... That's before we went into the, the courtroom, and, and I mean, it's like those boys are forever and ever and ever theirs. 
And so we have walked with Trey and Amy through this process, and I'm telling you, there were some times it looked like a dead end. There were some times it looked like it wasn't going to work out. But you know what? It was God's path. It was God's path. And you continue. Listen, I'm telling you, right now, you may be in a season of your life. It doesn't look like it's going to work out. It looks like it's dark. It looks like you're discouraged. You're depressed. And I just tell you this, God is with you. And learn this habit that I'm going to trust him over my circumstances. I'm going to trust him over the situations. I'm going to trust him over what all the experts say of our land. See, this is why communion is so important. As our ushers begin making their way to the back, they're going to begin.